All right, and we are here again, and we are back again. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Drew. And this is the Back Again Podcast. This is the only review show that takes a sequel from the past and asks the question, is it worth going back again? We are continuing on our comedy sequel list, and today we are doing the follow-up to the 1992 Sister Act, and we are doing Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. The students of St. Francis have a problem with discipline. They don't have any. The faculty needs help from above. But they're going to find it in Las Vegas. Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit comes out in 1993, is directed by Bill Duke, is starring Whoopi Goldberg, Kathy Najimy, Lauren Hill, Wenda McKenna, Mary Wicks, Maggie Smith, and Ryan Toby. Um, so yeah, so before we start talking about Sister Act 2, let's just go ahead and kind of get some stuff out of the way because this was both our first times watching it. And both after, of them, the original and the sequel. The original and the sequel. And after watching it, we, we did some research on it. And I think it's safe to say that since it's like returned to syndication, uh, there's been like a cult following with this movie. And many people have come out and they've like proclaimed it to be like, you know, not only inspirational to a generation, but some people have said that it's considered like the standard in black cinema, right? That it's got a huge cultural impact and it's also like influenced the way that certain churches have viewed gospel music from back in the 90s going forward. Not to mention the fact that it's also like kind of a debut of Lauren Hill, even though she was already in the Fugees. It's been a big inspiration to a younger generation and it's been a big influence in certain cultures. So with all that being said, I think it's it's great. I, I love that for the movie. I love all the impact that it's had on, on everybody. Um, with that being said, still wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's a difference between, because I think this is true, it is culturally significant for two reasons that you touched on. It got a lot of focus on two big stars. One of them was Lauren Hill. The other one was apparently- Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt, yes. Cause she blew up right after this. Um, the other is, uh, it, it was uh, deemed socially significant into how it um, portrayed gospel music um, and how it kind of blended that with different forms of music um, and how it represented um, African-American characters african-american cinema yeah um however a culturally significant movie is not also always a good movie because <laughs> well, this, well, mo this movie has a lot of basic story flaws yeah and like the thing is is like there can be two different things and both can be true like you can have like a personal experience with any movie for that for that matter and you know this movie does go on to inspire shows like glee or like other movies that are about gospel music and then it also resonated in other countries like japan or like kids wanted to sing like the nuns yeah or just like like acts. any like media that like dealt with it was almost like a new way of doing like a musical yeah of, and of, of how to like integrate music and performances into narratives yeah and even how it kind of finds its way on this podcast not just because it's a sequel but it's actually ranked in like top 20 best sequels of all time it is on what list rolling stone has this as one of their best sequels of all time uh, amongst the 25 greatest uh, movie sequels but that was poll that poll was conducted in 2014 okay still damn so so it, it has definitely it definitely piqued my interest because i i guess i knew that there was a sister act sequel but i'd only grown up with the first sister act <laughs> so when i was like oh that's right we're doing the podcast and i was looking up like sequels i was like well of course sister act 2 i finally because i had seen clips before of like lauren hill singing and stuff so i just assumed it was like a semi-decent movie i got the flow you all gotta go so go get your bags so we can go ho ho 
Um, obviously, when you go to the Rotten Tomatoes scores, just to get into it really quick, the first sister act has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes and the second sister act has an 18%. Now you can actually trace everything that we just kind of said back with also this Rotten Tomatoes score. Because these are all reviews that were given at the time of the release. So around like the early mid 1990s. Yeah, but this kind of the reason I'm bringing this up is because the director Bill Duke did speak about this back in the day. And he says, quote, the reviewers at that time cannot really be linked to our communities or the message. As you know, the faces of the reviewers were very different than the viewers. So I was surprised, but not shocked because they didn't get us at the time. They didn't get the message and did not relate on an emotional level. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if this is a movie that has resonated with an audience over time after it's been available on streaming services or just been available for rental on DVD or VHS or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I can see that being the case where like critics necessarily don't like it because when you do break it down and we'll get into this, the story itself is pretty, it's pretty wonky. <laughs> and I was surprised by the story, but I can see, you know, a younger generation kind of pushing past that and admiring things about it, especially with the way it portrays the communities and also just has this kind of overall positive message of music and togetherness. I'll say, and this can be like just our, or at least my review right off the bat, you can't go into it expecting a good movie. It's not a good movie, but it is an emotionally resonating movie. So, you know, we're kind of here with the podcast. Yeah. Judging it on quality, not not how it makes a given audience feel. So with that being said, I feel like we got all the, the positive stuff out of the way. Now just talking strictly about movie sequel plots, character arcs, and just the continuation. The of, science. Yeah, yeah, the story. And let's the take away all the emotion, all the charisma, all the charm, and let's just boil this down to the bones. But because it is like, it's The bones don't connect, they don't add up. It's commendable that they made a movie that they were trying to do something with, but at the end of the day, this still started somewhere else where there was one movie and it made a buttload of money and they decided to make a sequel. So yeah, so just jumping into now the plot of Sister Act 2, I was really surprised because I didn't know the plot to this. And I remember turning to you and being like, oh, I wonder if they're going to start with her already being a nun and then somebody else is gonna witness a crime and then the cops take that new witness send them to the convent with Whoopi Goldberg now, and they're gonna help this next like person uh, kind of get through their trial or and whatever. At, at the exact same time I turned to you and I thought the plot was going to be <laughs> the sisters are coming back to get Whoopi Goldberg who has now gone back to lounge singing, but now she's in Vegas instead of Reno. We'll get into the details later. And they were gonna tell her, hey, this cop that put you in the witness protection program is now putting more people in the witness protection <laughs> program in our convent. And we need your help like integrating them into the the nunnery so that you know we don't have a bunch of yous running around like we did in the first one yeah and then i'll give you a third one which i didn't tell you until now which was i thought that whoopi goldberg was going to witness another murder that would have been great yeah <laughs> and then they send her to a different place and she somehow integrates like music into that as well <laughs> so but no but the actual plot of this is that like you said, she is singing now her own kind of like main stage show. She's a headliner. She's got Dolores written in the background uh, while she's on stage. Um, and I guess because I read this online, I guess that show that she was putting on at the beginning of the movie, that's actually a reenactment of the first sister act. Like if you track the songs, it goes beat for beat, like what happened in her life and how she ended up here on the stage. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really clock that at the well, time. Either, yeah. But uh, then similar to what you said, the sisters from the convent show up and they tell her, oh, Maggie Smith needs your help. 
She was obviously running the whole convent uh, in the first one. She needs your help again. So they rush her to Maggie Smith and Maggie Smith says, well, I need your help because now we teach at a school and we need you in to- In San Francisco. In San Francisco. It's the same school that you went to when you were a kid. And we need you- Maggie Smith doesn't know that. Well- Whoopi Goldberg tells the other nuns. Yeah, she tells the other nuns that. But, you, but basically Maggie Smith says, I need you to become a music teacher and help us turn the school around because it's like lost. And it's, it's an urban school in San Francisco. Yeah, and it's on the brink of basically becoming like sold or just like, uh, it's slated for closure. Okay. <laughs> so begrudgingly. Slated, what a weird for slated for closure. <laughs> yeah. So begrudgingly, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Dolores, says, yeah, I'll do it. And then she takes on uh, being the music teacher of this classroom of students that are all like, you know, wild cards and they don't care about school. Very and... School of Rock meets Stand and Deliver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except this movie came out for both of those, I think. They're not even like, they're not even like bad kids. They just have attitudes. Yeah, she takes this classroom full of kids with attitudes yeah. and she's like, well, I'm going to teach you music. But then shortly after, she finds out that they're like singing on like the playground or just like during recess. They're or, rapping. Yeah, they're rapping and they're singing on the basketball courts. And she uh, is like, oh, well now I'm gonna turn you into a choir. And then when they become a choir, they find unity. And then the third act is that, oh, well it turns out there's also the singing competition that the school used to win a bunch of all the time. Like the nuns find a bunch of old trophies. They're like, hey, this school used to be pretty. I forgot that scene. Yeah, yeah look at these trophies. Like, they used to like win trophies. So. And apparently it would like supply them money because the award would give them money. Or well, at least like recognition. I think, I mean, maybe it might give them money. It's overall just gonna put them back on the map of being like a respected school. So they sign the kids up for that and then they win the competition and then they save the school. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I'll tell you what, so just breaking down that plot really quickly, the fact that this all started with the first sister act where Whitney, Whoopi Goldberg witnessed a murder from yeah. her boyfriend so mobster. Break, break down the first one now. So in the first one, Whoopi Goldberg is singing in like a Reno club but she's not singing on a main stage. She's just kind of singing while people are like, you know, doing poker. She's and... on the ground floor. Yeah. She's part of a trio at like a dive bar in Reno. Yeah, and she's dating a mobster. Mm -hmm. and... She doesn't know he's a mobster. And, and all, all his all his dudes have like Boston accents, like Boston gangsta accents, yeah. and they're in Reno. <laughs> So she wants to break up with her boyfriend because he is uh, not leaving his wife for her. And while she's in the midst of breaking up with him, she witnesses him and his goons committing a murder. They um, kill his limo driver because he saw too much. He saw too much and he was like, no, he was uh, going to the cops and talking to oh, the he cops. Oh, he was a mole. Or he was, he was a mole. an informant. He was an informant because yeah. the cops have been trying to take down Harvey Keitel. Yeah. So once Whoopi Goldberg kind of runs away after witnessing the murder, she does go to the cops and they decide to put her in a temporary kind of witness protection, but not really. They're basically just gonna hide her somewhere until the trial. It's witness protection until the trial, yeah. And yeah. the trial is gonna be about two months before they can get all the information or all the, what is it? Um, evidence they need yeah. to put Harvey Keitel away. So they're gonna hide her with a bunch of nuns. And of course, since she's like a Reno girl, she's obviously gonna clash with the nuns, but she does find a connection with the nuns because they have a choir and she's gonna teach them essentially how to sing. Once again, begrudgingly. She, she doesn't find the connection. Maggie Smith finds oh, yeah. the connection. But either way, she's gonna teach these nuns how to sing. This is going to help the church. It's gonna help the community. And basically her unorthodox style of bringing awareness to the church overall ends up being a good thing. It and integrates the church more into the community. Exactly. Which so benefits everyone. I get it the fact that the one connective tissue between the first one and the second one is that Dolores is going to do something unorthodox, I guess, 
to make people better and she the doesn't do that in the second one well she does she does show the kids the connective <laughs> tissue that's a, what the unfortunate, she shows them how to be acquired i guess the unfortunate reality is that the connective tissue to the director of the sequel is whoopi goldberg is a nun i don't even think he understands that he's she's like a girl from reno i think the director thinks that she is actually like a reluctant nun the sequel has no conflict or juxtaposition. It's just the nuns need her help again. And this is, this is ridiculous. The nuns need Whoopi Goldberg's help. They know she is not a nun. They know she is a lounge singer. They need her help teaching children yeah. in San Francisco. So not even in the state anymore, not Reno, not Vegas, in San Francisco, which granted is where Whoopi Goldberg's character grew up, but the nuns don't know that. Yeah. So they're, they're going out on a huge limb here asking this lounge singer they met to teach music class at this uh, San Francisco convent. Well, well, not only that, it's also the fact that- and I, I It's like, do these nuns know anyone else well, besides I, like Whoopi Goldberg and the other nuns? Well, and also to stay with the nuns, like I understand that there are a lot of like nuns and priests that are teachers at like religious schools, but it's really just thrown, I feel like it's thrown in there that all of a sudden the fa our favorite nuns from the first one happen to be teachers at the school, at the second one. So it's like not only, wait, Whoopi Goldberg's not a teacher. Are these nuns even teachers? Apparently now, they are. Apparently yeah. all of a sudden they are teachers and they're teaching math yeah. and everything like that. But you know, the reason- And Whoopi Goldberg, she's a perfect teacher. No, <laughs> no, no difficulty, no learning curve there. Just she goes in, she knows exactly what to do as a Reno lounge singer. Well, that's the thing that Maggie Smith keeps saying, right? She's like, just wait till you see what she can do. Like she's a, she's a, she's, she's a, a, she's a, she's a miracle worker. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. Yeah, and it's funny because when we talk about sequels on this podcast, like we we like new worlds. We always talk about expanding. Oh, the we're worlds. in San Francisco now. <laughs> I know, but like we talk about like a, giving it a different environment and seeing this character adapt in a new environment. So it, it's kind of weird because like on paper, as I was thinking about it, I was like, this is kind of doing the right thing where yeah. it's taking our character and putting them in a new situation. The problem is, is I think there's no, no conflict. Well, no, no, no. You don't need her to be a nun, yeah. the, the nun connection. Well, you only need her to be a nun unless there's like witness protection yeah. angle. That There's no witness protection angle, so why is she going back to being a nun? Yeah. There's no, the big conflict is there is no, and like it's absurd almost that there is a movie like this where there is no external conflict. There's no criminal angle. There's no witness protection angle. There's nothing resembling that except for the, except for the priests, which we can get into that conflict later. And then there's no um, inner conflict. There's no inner conflict with uh, Whoopi Goldberg because she is immediately a fantastic teacher. Yeah. And there, and I, I laughed really hard at this. There is no conflict with the students because they are all fantastic singers right out the get-go and they're not really criminals there's they have no terrible flaws the worst flaw is that the one kid keeps falling asleep because he's working a job for his dad yeah. like, and <laughs> Who it's is like the, who's the director who's the, the director's yeah. cameo yeah and it's just like okay it's yeah it's like unfortunate it's under um underprivileged teens like you know he's 17 yeah. he's got to work a job he can't sleep so he's falling asleep in class and, but, and i know this is pg but it's like that's the most difficult conflict that we're dealing with here yeah um and, I'll give you and one, he's still a fantastic singer and i'll give you one last pitch too just to kind of like well let's say we kept all these beats in there but we just rearranged them around a little bit Whoopi goldberg has been staying in touch with the nuns and i'm talking about the beginning of the second one now and this is a fictitious well at the end script. of the first one i think it's established that they're going to stay in touch okay so she continues she continues to stay in touch she is helping out within the community still upon one of her routine visits maggie smith says hey we do need help we need like a music um advisor advisor to go to this school because uh, they used to win a lot of competitions and they used to be prestigious and everything. 
but the priests have been going very hardcore, even more hardcore than the nuns were, right, in the first one. So we need someone to go over there and kind of loosen things up a little bit, but don't rattle any, you know, feathers, or in this case, blouses. So she goes over there, and she knows that they have lost the last, like, four years of that competition. Yeah, so And the, she decides, she goes, hey, we need to put all our resources into this. So the competition's the, like, the goal from the beginning. The beginning, yeah. and she's like, because I've heard the kids sing immediately, like, I got them to sing, and they yeah. actually are really good. Yeah, they have some attitudes, but I'm not a teacher, I'm an advisor. So I can actually fix them on that. Yeah. And then, you know, that's the driving force for the whole plot because what essentially, and I already know the answer to this, but like to go with you, what is what is the threat of the first act? If you look at the first movie, the threat is being killed and being found yeah. by the monster. It's life or death. In the second one, the threat is, I guess, a group of priests and a man who runs the church, uh, this old man who basically wants to like sell the property. There's no threat. He wants to retire to get his money and they, they're just, they're giving up on the school. It's the top educators basically giving up on the school and trying to get rid of it. They don't think they, they care. It's, they're just taking a payday. Well, the old guy's just taking yeah, a payday. The old, guy, the old guy's like, we're, I'm selling the property. <laughs> who would have thought that this Catholic school isn't making any money? So I'm going <laughs> to turn, I'm going to turn a profit by selling it because it's in a good location and kick the kids out. And then like, at the 60, 65 minute mark, the kids find out what's happening and then the stakes are revealed. Yeah. Like, oh, like we, like I gotta be the first one in my family to, to graduate high school. Yeah. And it's gonna be so much more difficult if I have to transfer schools because this one closes. Like that's an actual, like, that's a stake. Yeah. And you know, it happens like toward the end yeah. and it's commented on once and then it's never addressed again. It's just really hard because like, I think in general, and, and I know we're, we're getting kind of repetitive here because we, we know that there's no stakes. We know that there's no villain. The villain is the old man. His name is Mr. Crisp. He's played by uh, James Coburn. And yeah, he's not really invested in the school. And He's a stooge. Well, the funniest thing I could say he, about he's, him. He's like the butt of like uh, physical comedy jokes. <laughs> the funniest thing about him is that whenever you do get to see these montages, which there are a lot of, a lot yeah, of a lot montages, of montages, which we'll come back around to real quickly. But but every time there's a montage of just everything kind of getting better, you always kind of cut to this old man, like peeking his head around the corner, being like, what's going on over there? Are they fixing my school? Don't fix my school. <laughs> which is not even like he... He stands to gain nothing either way. It is established well, he's the gonna... school is going to be retired regardless of what Whoopi Goldberg does until like the 60 minute mark when the competition becomes a factor. Yeah. So when he's spying on them, ooh, are they improving my school? It's, who cares? <laughs> You're gonna get your way either way. Like the audience knows that. And, like, and, but he goes to the extent. It's not even the absence of stakes. It is the it is the script telling you, hey, there's no stakes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, he's this, so. This is just a movie that you can have on in the background. He's so against Dolores that he is going to with the priests drive to the competition to try to stop at it. At the end, yeah, at the, the end. third act. And by the way, like, you know, even just those scenes of like the priests and the main villain, like driving to go stop the show. Like that was a scene, for example, where I was like, this is not the first movie because there's this really wacky, like we're, we're it's a comedy. And well, yeah, one of the priests music is driving. Playing. Yeah, and he, he's a very, the, the joke is he's a very aggressive driver, but yeah. he's a mellow priest. Yeah, well, he's a priest, but he also says, he like yells at people because they can't drive and that all their lives are at risk because he's driving. He doesn't have a license either, I guess. And then when they actually get to the show, the priests have a, a turn, a change of heart, and then they decide to trick the villain and, like, I guess, just lock him in a closet or whatever. Trick is a generous word, yeah. They... Yeah, but but he doesn't even come back after he goes in that closet. I have a theory that he died. No, be he comes back. Oh, what does he come Did back? He falls asleep. Yeah, he comes back and says, like, Maggie Smith. I found out that this isn't a nun. This is Dolores. 
the lounge singer, and then they, they, they essentially just say, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, at the end of this movie, when our hero looks up and says, Go with God, Crispy. I mean, that is a moment. And I think like what's also really interesting about this is like we don't even see Dolores in the first one get into the nun outfit. She doesn't get into the sister act until probably like after the 40 minute mark. Yeah, it's right. Late. But especially in the second one, it's early. <laughs> she's in the, she's in that sister act again yeah. within the first like 12 minutes of the movie. <laughs> She, almost, she's in the nun getup like the whole movie for yeah. the sequel. She's in at least a few different looks for the the original. Yeah, and it, it's like the same with her character. It's like she, like I said, like the director and the character both forgot that she's not actually a nun. Yeah, They're, and also because they, <laughs> they have this whole thing in the third act where the priests and the old man they find out that she is like a Reno singer, like a stage singer. Yeah. So they need to like go stop the show and they need to tell everybody about her. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's how you fix that. Introduce that earlier as well because they do this whole reveal in the final show, the main competition show, where all the kids take off like their outfits, their church outfits, and uh, they just wear their clothes, the, the clothes uh, that they identify street with. Street clothes. Yeah, and it's all just about kind of like you know individual expression. Now, if that's how you're going to end the movie, if that's how you're going to like like kick off the big final performance, then introduce this whole thing with Whoopi Goldberg earlier. That way, when the kids find out that she's just like a stage singer, she goes, all right, you know what? And then she takes off the nun outfit. And she yeah, goes, you know thing. what? I'll continue to advise here, but I'm gonna do it my way yeah. as me. In this, in the current movie, she loves the nuns. And then at the end, she's like, no, fuck the robes. <laughs> yeah. Dress dressed to express yourselves. And it's just like, what? <laughs> So it feels like all the beats that are there could have been like even more impactful to maybe where critics would have liked it. And I understand like at the end of the day, you don't need to make a movie for critics. Like if, if anybody resonates with the movie, that's great. But it's like, it's all there. Yeah. It's right there. You, you have the $80 million that you're spending on the budget. Like you might as well like, you know, not be asleep at the wheel when it comes to basic story structure. Well, speaking of budget, Drew, uh, the first one has a budget of $31 million and it grossed over $231 million worldwide, right? And then the second sister act has a budget of $38 million and it only made $124.6 million. Which is still decent. It's still decent, but yeah, it was not, uh, it, it was not as impactful, I guess, as the first one. Because the last thing I'll say about the first one is even though, I don't think the first one's perfect, but I do think- It's engaging. It's engaging the plot is silly, but it, at the same time, it like- That's makes, what helps it, it like It makes sense because it's like, it yeah. kind of makes sense and it's silly. And then I will say that, you know, like less is more, but in a different way. Where, meaning like, yes, I would have preferred more songs in the first one with the nuns, but the fact that when they do sing, it's in, it's just in a church. You know what I mean? It's very like, it's small scale, but the performances are pretty big. That was impactful. And I thought the music was the best part of the first one. And more than that, Dolores teaching the nuns how to sing and seeing them kind of yeah. like find themselves was the best part of that first one. Because she doesn't teach the students in the sequel. She <laughs> teaches the nuns more than she teaches her students. Now, I will say that the final performance in the second one uh, was also good, but I do really think it's because Lauren Hill is just phenomenal. Um, as an actor? No, as a, well, as a singer. Okay, yeah. And and also but she as an actor. Well, she also was considered she was in like considered one of like the top uh, 100 greatest like uh, musician artist performances and Janelle Monet said that what inspired her to be an actress uh, was at a young age, age watching Lauren Hill act in this. And I don't think I don't think like the performances are necessarily bad. 
I really do think it's a script issue. I don't know if it was script because Lauren Hill's character was kind of not great, but that character really kind of like fell flat for me. It's the for problem sure. is you already strike out twice with the plot. There's no, or the stakes. So at the very least you have the Lauren Hill character who is the essentially the main student who has the most conflict with Whoopi Goldberg's, I'm doing air quotes, teaching. Well, she's got the most conflict of anybody in the group because her mom doesn't want her to sing. Her mom's like, yeah. And, he, and even though I think Lauren Hill's performance is good, I, I think it is inherently silly that her mom's like, <laughs> and there's like crosses in their house and the mom is still like, like, but you're not singing this church music. <laughs> she's, yeah, she is like, it is so funny because she, she sends her daughter to a Catholic school, but she's like, you're going to study and you're going to be like a scientist or something. And it's like, she's singing gospel music and she's going to a competition where she's probably going to win. Why are you being such a hard ass? Yeah, Cheryl Lee Ralph from Abbott Elementary and like a bunch of other stuff, like just seeing her be like, don't you go down the same road that your father did. <laughs> it reminded me of like that South Park parody where it was the high school musical. Yeah. <laughs> flip. You're not going to play basketball in my house. I also do. <laughs> I also do think that Whoopi Goldberg doesn't do a bad job singing, but it is inherently silly to watch her try to teach Lauren Hill how to sing. Yeah. But anyway, like I said, I don't know if it's the Lauren Hill character's performance or the way she's written, but I it might be the way she's written because, like I said, I, I'm 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 so desperate for a stake here, and you know, if anything, you're gonna get it from like the moody teenager who they're spending all the screen time on, but there's nothing and that's like the last straw for me it's like all right three strikes yeah god damn you lauren hill why is it all your fault that there's no stakes in this well the the point where i kind of was like okay now i'm starting to get frustrated was when uh dolores brings the nuns back to inspire the kids right and that's when you lost it they're they're gonna put on like a performance for like some old people and yeah. all the kids are gonna be there and dolores is gonna be like let me show you like what singing in a choir is all about and i'm like well you know what? hey at least at the end of the day we're gonna get another choir performance with the original nuns that wasn't very good they put on a they picked a weird song yeah. And it was funny because then the students were like, Ruby Goldberg was talking to him afterwards on the bus and they're like, yeah, we don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, all right, well, at least I, I guess they did their job with that weird performance. She's like, what do you think? They're like, I mean, it was okay. Yeah. But... <laughs> so, what you guys think? Well, it was okay. It was okay. What about you? It was cool for what it was, but it wasn't all that. <laughs> they're literally like we don't want to look like fools yeah we don't want to look like that which is so weird because it was so emotional in the first one and there was such like an earnestness yeah. to the way that they sing and then it was fun to see them put these kind of spins on the songs because you're watching a bunch of like i don't know uh introverted people finally be extroverted yeah. right and now you have a bunch of extroverted kids that have to be slightly introverted and kind of come together to sing in harmony what well, they, what they like, should have done but, is they should have had all these extroverted kids but none of them can sing so they're all super self-conscious about it so they become introverted or or, or well you're taking it more like a like a mental i'm just anal. something man I'm give saying, me something i'm saying that they're extrovert in the sense where they're like they're children they're young uh, they don't know how to not talk over each other they don't know how to work in unison so then they see these old nuns come in and just kind of rock the house in unison and also be very selfless with the way that they sing some of them quiet down while others get louder the kids could have been inspired by that and be like man can you believe like if we sing together we can sound like that but instead the nuns like we said put down a really weird performance the kids are like we don't like that and then eventually they just learn how to sing in unison together the plot's doing a lot of legwork here because that's just making sure that everything's happening because there's the pieces for a good movie in the sequel but 
it just feels like the screenwriter does everything they can to because there's three screenwriters yeah. feel like they just do everything they can to avoid building those characters and and to be honest like even though that first sister act isn't the funniest compared to the second one i would say it's much funnier i it, it doesn't I don't care about either of them being funny. It's just the first one's a better movie. Well, well, the thing is, is like these are comedy sequels, and we're doing like you know good comedies. And with the first one, I would say that there is like a charm to it, where you do have Dolores's kind of like I don't know what would you call her demeanor, almost like get out of here. I don't know because it's it's not consistent. It, it shifts entirely in the sequel. It, it's a little it's a little dry. It's a little uh, kind of it's very heavy on like expressions. I would say, and overall, I would say her presence is like felt. Like when Whoopi Goldberg's on screen, she does like have your attention. And you know, she is like a comedy icon. Um, and she did come up like with two of the greatest like kind of performers being Billy Crystal and, and Robin Williams. Um, so I do think that in the first one, she does have more character, even if it's inconsistent, it's still enjoyable to watch. And no, it's consistent in the first one. Yeah, in the first it's one, that's what I'm talking it, about. It's not consistent in the second one. Yeah, the one. second one, it just feels kind of like, cause we don't really know why she's even doing this. Yeah. She does get that's what because that's the thing is they make it seem like she just likes it's it goes a step further from she just wants to help her friends it's like oh she likes being a nun well she gets guilted by Maggie Smith and she gets guilted by Maggie Smith because so that's, that, like that's a... always strong character motivation <laughs> is when, especially religious guilt which to be fair let's go ahead and talk about all the callbacks in the sequel there were two what were the two it was the lounge singing in the beginning and then the religious guilt. Yeah, I guess there was a moment where we we both thought that there was going to be a callback that yeah. actually would have been a uh, good. Good, yeah. Yeah, because uh, there's a great moment in the first one where she's trying to get the quiet nun. Sister Mary? Yeah, Sister Mary Robert, because she's like the- Mary the, Robert. Yeah, she's the most quiet, introverted nun. And she like, you know, she's got this thing that she wants to burst outside of her or whatever. So they're, they're singing and then Whoopi Goldberg is trying to get her to sing louder. And then as she's singing, she places her hand on her stomach and kind of pushes in, opening up, opening up her, her pipes. And she lets out a big burst of, uh, of a note that's beautiful, right? And it's very inspiring. It's like, oh, I didn't know I could sing like that. It's like, yeah, it's in your diaphragm. Like, you just got to push it. And then in the second one, uh, she's trying to get Ryan Toby to also speak Is up. that the character name or the actor's name? That's the actor's name. Okay. Um, she's trying to get him to, to sing loud because he's got a good voice, but it's very quiet. It's a little squeaky. You know, he's going through puberty. And she's like, come here, get, get over here. And I'm like, oh, she's going to do it. She's going to do her thing where he's going to sing and then she's going to grab his tummy and push in and she doesn't do it. Well, it's funny because he, he just does it on his own. It's during a performance. He has a solo. So he steps forward to the conductor's podium where she's standing. Yeah. So she's in arm's reach. So when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a reason they're doing this blocking. They're, they're almost they're, touching they're, shoulders. Exactly. They're like essentially they're organically already that close. They're gonna do it. Like yeah. the, the director's not asleep on the day. He's seen the original, he sees the blocking. Even if it's not in the script, he's gonna have her do it. She doesn't do it. Yeah. She just keeps having them sing the song. Yeah. Until, and then I, she's like, they're close, so she's like commenting to him. Yeah. And then he ends up eventually projecting more. God damn, <laughs> this movie was like a chore to watch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch, watch the blasphemy on yeah. this episode. <laughs> God bless it. <laughs> when Jesus washed, 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 when Jesus washed. Well, we're waiting. 
You know, the last thing I'll say, just in regards to comparison to the first one and the second one, is I was told by somebody that the second one had more music, and uh, no, they don't. That person's a liar. <laughs> this this kind of reminded me of the Blues Brothers because I felt like this second one made me like the first one a little bit more. Yeah. Because those moments when the nuns do sing and come together, I felt like it was very, like, I don't know, I just felt like it was very... Uh, inspiring right and i do think it's inspiring when the kids sing in the second one but you know there's just such there's just such few numbers and i know we also kind of touched on this a little bit but just to kind of bookend it like you know this is a comedy and this is a comedy sequel and like truly like can you remember like a joke in this second movie that i and i'm not even trying to be like in like you know, negative or insulting the film or anything like that. Like, I'm genuinely trying to be like, what was that? Was there like a setup or a joke or was there like I remember a gag? like, I remember a lot of boring dialogue. Yeah. I, I remember like, because there were, I gags. remember, I remember like, why is this scene here? There's no jokes. It's not fun. This is a comedy. It's like Maggie Smith talking to like the main priest. I'm like, yeah. Mm. There was one callback joke that we did forget about that's from the first one, which is uh, the pianist, Nun she has a hearing device and she has to turn on her battery to hear. And that was like an ongoing gag in the first one. And then the one appearance she has in the second one, you know, Dolores goes up to her and is like, you know, tap, tap. And she's like, turns on her microphone and gives that big smile or whatever. But that's before the big weird number that the nuns kind of put on. And, and since we're talking comedy, I guess, you know, we have to talk about Sister Mary Patrick, with his, which is uh, Kathy Najimi, because she is the comic relief in both the first and the second one. But Is I, it comic relief or is it just... I mean, she's the over-optimistic. She's, she's, she's got excited. the one. Yeah. And in the second one, I honestly, like, I just kind of found her, like, annoying. Because you have all the... She's the extrovert. So yeah. in the first one, when you're with all these nuns, it makes sense. Yeah. When you're with all these extroverted teens, it's like, oh boy, it's just another loud character. Well, she's oh got boy. that. One, she's got that one weird line where she's teaching to the kids in like one of the classes, and they're like, you know, what do you know about you know sex? You're a nun, and she says like, just because I haven't like tasted the donut, you don't need to I've... taste the donut to know how sweet it is. Yeah. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> You can't answer any questions about sex. Oh, don't be so sure. You don't have to bite the donut to know it's sweet. Huh? <laughs> That's disgusting. So as always on this podcast, we have three questions lead to a final vote of was it worth going back again? And the first question is, does it work as a sequel? Nope. The big thing for me for this one is they don't get the character. The character, this one is almost, it's so funny because we, the problem is usually they don't change the character enough. The character always regresses. This one, the character changed too much or it just seems like a different character. This character likes being a nun. This character is gung-ho for not being a lounge singer. Yeah. This character is not the character from the first movie. And that makes it a basic failure as a sequel for me when the protagonist is no longer themselves. And it's conflicting a little bit because it's still, I don't know, it's the same personality, but the motivations are complete. They're like night and day. Yeah. But that's enough for me to, find enough fault with it that's that, that's enough for me to find fault with it yeah and it's also hard because we've seen sequels that are kind of like soft reboots we've seen sequels that are just complete copies of the first one and with this one like it doesn't feel like they saw the first movie well that's what i'm saying so is it a soft reboot reboot because it reestablishes no because it would be more intentional like dolores being because like what would be the thing that you would connect to be dolores being an unorthodox person who finds ways of bringing out like the goodness in people through music right 
Like she just needs to be, she needs to be in charge of a group of people that need to come together and she can bring them together. Yeah, they needed to do, but is that they, they needed to do the, the nun thing or they needed to do the teacher thing. The teacher and a nun thing was too much. It got too confused. Yeah, so I think it doesn't work as a sequel for a new reason, which is interesting because it yeah. like overshoots the plot where it doesn't have any connective tissue. And I feel like if you didn't watch the first one, you would be like, who is this person and why is she doing what she's doing? And if you watch the first one, then with this, you'd be like- You're kind of more confused. You're kind of more confused because you're like, why is she coming back to do this? Just because I guess she loves the nuns and she wants to help out. But um, but still, like for me, it was like, why are the nuns going to her to teach? Yeah, and, and like just to finish it up, it's like this could have- At I, the very least, the nuns could have known it was her school but they don't even know that she tells them, oh, that was my old school. Yeah, but it, like I said, like it should work as a sequel because it is a new world, it is new challenges, it is new dynamics. But the problem I really think is, is that she did not need to be a nun. <laughs> she really didn't need to be a nun. Or there needed to be more, the plot needed to bend more toward the reason why she was a nun. Well, like, I mean, like she had to be a nun in the first one because it was life or death. It needed to be, a secret that she kept again with life or death stakes. Well, you remember earlier when I pitched that she gets rid of the nun outfit earlier in the movie because she gets exposed. And then that's what kind of prompts the kids to drop uh, just to wear their clothes yeah. in the final performance. Yeah. You, if you do that, you call this movie Sister Act 2, dropping the act. Oh. There's your sequel. Yeah. All right. So that sounds like it's gonna get two X's right off the bat. So the next question is gonna be, is it enjoyable slash entertaining? This is a comedy. This is a comedy sequel, even if there's like, you know, earnest inspirational moments within the comedy, just, you know, across the board, is it enjoyable slash entertaining? Nope. <laughs> I, I wouldn't hold it to such a high standard if it wasn't a comedy, Yeah. but it like it presents itself as a comedy and it was not funny. Yeah. There, there, there were like, I, I don't like when there's boring scenes in general. So God help you if there's a boring scene in your comedy. There were so many boring scenes in this movie. Yeah. Th it, to be fair, I don't think they were... They usually weren't Whoopi Goldberg scenes. They were like side character scenes. Yeah. But still. I mean, at the height of this, I guess one of like the funnier gags is when she gets glued to the chair. No, it wasn't. Well, I'm saying the way it's presenting itself. <laughs> you, we didn't find it funny. But you know, the fact that she's like, un, doesn't know she's gonna sit in the glue and then she gets stuck to the chair and she's gotta roll down the hallway. Well, the, um, the whole thing was like the kid kept stopping her from doing it. And yeah. I, I looked at you and I was like, isn't the kid on like the other kid's side? Why yeah. does he keep stopping her from sitting in the glue? The kids want her to sit in the glue. So it's like, in theory, these characters are enjoyable, this world is enjoyable, and there's a lot of entertaining factors to it, but in execution, I, yeah, I didn't think it was enjoyable slash entertaining either. And, and it stinks because I, you know, I would say that the first one is enjoyable slash entertaining, even if it's not a laugh riot. Like, because you are invested in the plot, you are intrigued, you do want to see what happens, I would say, across the board, because there are stakes. But yeah, it's just hard. It, once again, it's 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 a little bit of a swing and a miss, and it is not enjoyable slash entertaining. So that sounds like it's going to get another two X's. And, you know, I feel like we're just going to get crucified <laughs> online for this if people really love this movie. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But, uh... So the last question is gonna be, uh, does it need to exist? And I'm gonna start off this one and I'm gonna say, knowing what I know about the history of it and uh, seeing the influence it has had on just generations of people and also musicians and actors. I, yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, it needs to exist. Now, does it need to exist in the, in the context? Does it need to exist in the context of this franchise? It's kind of hard because 
I think with this one, there's there's almost it's too close to the elephant. There's too many people that really love it. I personally don't think I need to watch the second one, but if it has had a positive kind of uh, impact on society, then then you know I'll be a little less critical and I'll say yes, it needs to exist. I don't want to just copy your answer. I was gonna like try to just you have to. I was gonna try to squeeze mine in because first because you're gonna get yelled at. Uh, by our one viewer. <laughs> I'm 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 actually gonna take a double risk and I'm gonna say no, it doesn't need to exist. Okay. Um just because and I this is something that I don't like in general. I don't like giving film, TV, media a pass on being like bad or especially lazy just because it checks a box in the social commentary section. Yeah. I, I think that if you're dealing with things like representation, you need to be even more invested in story, not being like, oh, this has representation in it. We can just kind of kick back in the story. No one's going to care. They're going to care that there's representation in it. They're not going to care that it's a good story. You got to be like, you got to be at 100% when it comes to these stories. Leaning on the crutch and being like, well, it was socially relevant, so it doesn't need to be good. Yeah, I don't I don't like doing that. So I'm going to say it gets next for me. Well, you heard it here first. If you are somebody who had a personal connection to this movie and you were inspired by it and you appreciated the representation and you were you you found a little bit of yourself in it. Well, guess what? According to Drew, you're wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I hope it inspired you to make something better. <laughs> So if you're doing that math at home, that's going to be five X's and one check. So it is going to get, unfortunately, one giant X for not worth going back again. And yeah, uh, I don't know. This was uh, this was definitely an interesting but overall disappointing viewing. But it's also been interesting just reading up about it kind of after the fact. And you know what they say, there's there's three acts to any story. So we got we got to finish it off with one more sister there, act. There's sister act, there's back in the act, and then there's... What, what, what I pitched... No, what's the one you said? Yeah, yeah. drop in the act. Drop in the act, yeah. <laughs> and this next thing I'm going to say is silly, and I don't think that it needs to do this, but I would have liked it if one time in any of these two movies, if Dolores said, like, I'm done with this sister act. Yeah, they never say sister act in the movie, which is like, it's a good title. So they, you think they would say it. You thought, I would think Harvey Keitel would say the first one, like, it's an act. A sister act. <laughs> As always, thanks everybody for listening. If you like this episode, make sure you like, comment, and uh, subscribe below. You can listen to all these episodes available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, or you can watch these episodes with video on YouTube. Just subscribe to What A Guy Productions. Special shout out to Neely for doing our intro and our outro song. And outside of that, Drew, you got anything else to add? Well, it was okay. It was okay. What about you? It was cool for what it was, but it wasn't all that. All right, everyone, we will see you next time. Bye, 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 bye.